humans. Hello, humans of the world. Good morning, humans. It's me, Ellie Krugs, from lovely Minneapolis, Minnesota. Actually, Eden Prairie, but we don't need to get into that. Welcome to Ellie 2.0 Radio on AM 950. It's me. You are here to talk about idealism and I, an idealist. I am an idealist. My show is about idealism. And, um, you know, and an idealist is somebody who's working to try and make the world a better place, hoping for the world to be a better place, but not just simply doing it from your barco lounger. I have been on the road a great deal. I have. And um, and so last week you got a Best of Ellie's show. I'm, you're going to be getting more Best of Ellie's show. I'm sorry. It's just a matter of, of me being not – I can't be in three places at once. Even being in two at once is a little difficult. So um, sorry. but And that means today the show that you're getting is a talking head show because I have not had the ability to spend the time to cultivate uh, guests. Um, so you're stuck with me. Moi. Okay. So I've got a number of things to throw at you today. But I want to start out um, uh, going to Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. Central Wisconsin. It's about as conservative an area as you're going to find in our country. Um, and so last week, so this show, of course, is being taped, so it's actually going to be two weeks ago for you by the time you hear my voice. Uh, there was a story about a server at Fat Joe's Bar and Grill. The server's name is Brittany Spencer. Um, Brittany had been a server at Fat Joe's for several months. Um, and in that time, she had served all kinds of customers but on a recent Saturday, she came across some customers, a man and a woman couple older, who felt the need to talk about and demean another customer who was also in the restaurant who was sitting nearby. That other customer um, was a transgender person. So um, Brittany, you know, heard these comments as she was serving the table. Ultimately, the table, the two people at the table who were making demeaning comments, it's called transphobia, transphobic comments about the transgender person, um, uh, wanted to know what she thought. And, um, you know, and, and what she, she did is she didn't think, she told them she didn't think it was right. And then she went to her manager and asked if she could trade the table that she, with this um, intolerant couple, if she could trade that table with another server. She was told no, that she needed to keep the table. Uh, and then Brittany, uh, um, as reported to uh, NBC 26 News, said, quote, my manager essentially told me to suck it up and go home. Uh, she then replied that she would leave. And here is a, a clip from NBC News 26 in Green Bay uh, that reports on this. So we'll have that clip right now. Brittany Spencer was a server at Fat Joe's. Saturday, she noticed a regular come in who happened to be a transgender woman. They're always very polite, had great conversation. She says an elderly couple nearby started talking negatively about gender identity. And asking if I thought it was disgusting and wrong and why we would let somebody like that in to the establishment, to which I answered, no, I don't agree with that, and I walked away. Brittany asked her manager to get someone to pick up the table for her. She essentially told me to suck it up or go home. To which I said, okay, then I will leave. If you don't want to serve your table, we're just going to send you home. That was it. Co-owner Tad Wallander says they are there to serve customers, regardless of what people talk about. It's not my prerogative to preach anyone about their beliefs. She took her moral beliefs, which, hey, everyone has their moral beliefs. I'm not going to you know, put, hold that against anyone else. 
Um, and she just refused to do a, a duty that we hired her for. That was That's the bottom line in a nutshell. Brittany was outspoken on Facebook about what happened, and as a result, she was fired. Two sides don't see eye to eye. And I've heard hundreds of conversations that I agree with, but it's just a matter of fact of just brushing it off and able to tough through your, your task. If anybody sees hate or hears things like this, that they should say something because, in my opinion, ignoring it is no better than saying it yourself. Both sides say they don't regret how they handled this situation. Brittany says she would choose her beliefs over any job, and the ownership here at Fat Joe's says if any one of their people refused to serve a transgender person, that server would go home too. In Fond du Lac, Sean Gallagher, today's TMJ4. So um, I, I wanted to play that whole clip for you so that you could get an idea about <laughs> what um, Brittany is like and also so you could get an idea about her boss and his approach to this. And frankly, um, his approach to it is, hey, we hired you for a job. You know, I don't care um, if somebody says something that makes you uncomfortable or is requiring as part of your service to them to agree to their intolerant um, attitudes because, of course, in the end, I mean, uh, we can imagine what kind of a tip Brittany would get for saying, no, I don't agree with you at all about that. And it, and in the end, what, really what the boss was talking about was he was talking about money. That's really what he was talking about. You know, we, you know, we're, we're, we're going to just serve anybody and everybody, regardless of what they have to say, how uncomfortable they make our team members, uh, because we want the business. And if Brittany can't, you know, side with the capitalists on this, well, that's too bad for Brittany. Um, that's in essence what the boss was saying. And, you know, um, in another um, written piece about the story, Brittany was quoted as saying, quote, ignoring hate and ignoring people talking like that is not being neutral. That's allowing hate to happen, unquote. Now, Brittany might not know this, but Brittany Spencer in Fond du Lac is an idealist. She, stand, she stood up for others who lack voices of their own. Um, and she did it in a very, very difficult circumstance that would be in her work environment. Um, and then she spoke out about it on Facebook. And um, it sounds as if the speaking out was really what got the boss uh, upset. Um, you know, and, and I could see playing that out a couple of different ways. But, you know, frankly, if you're not going to stand up for your principles and let others know, because that's really what an idealist does, you cannot be an idealist simply in a vacuum. You have to let others, you have to lead the way for those who are afraid or who um, are uncertain or who um, don't realize certain things. And so uh, Brittany Spencer, wonderful idealist for sure. And in addition to that, what Brittany Spencer also reflected was what I call allyship. So remember, an ally is a status. An ally is someone who um, has somebody else's back, says, I believe you have the right to be who you are. I have the right, you, I believe you have the right to dress the way you want to or to love who you want to. I believe, you know, that your skin color shouldn't matter. That's ally. Allyship is where somebody actually takes action to fulfill that ally status. You know, and in the case here, that's exactly what Brittany did. I mean, she uh, certainly let those two customers know that what their views were was unacceptable. And for all we know, the transgender woman that was at the restaurant had no idea about any of this going on. And what Brittany did, obviously, is she 
She put her money, she, excuse me, she put her mouth where her money was, okay? And she voted with her feet about how she was not going to tolerate a situation that was intolerable. That is the epitome of allyship. And I'm just so um, incredibly impressed by this young woman named Brittany Spencer. And if you want, go Google Brittany Spencer Fond du Lac. Um, and, and you'll see a picture of Brittany. <clears throat> you'll also realize when you see that picture that Brittany, I'm sure, has also uh, been considered other in society at one time or another. And, um, you know, it's amazing what happens when people start to speak up. It's amazing what happens when we don't put up with intolerance by other people and where we make it clear to those people that it's unacceptable for them to hate, for it unacceptable for them to demean, unacceptable for them to other humans who are different. So there you go. I just wanted to give you that great story about Brittany Spencer and... Um, and good things happening in Fond du Lac um, through idealism. Who would have known, huh? There you go. You've been listening to me, Ellie Krug, on Ellie 2.0 Radio. If you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. I'm on Instagram now. Please follow me on Instagram. The Instagram handle is at Ellie J. Krug. You've got to throw that J in. Otherwise, you're going to get a 23-year-old Victoria's Secret model. And that would not be me. And um, when we come back, uh, I'm going to talk about a wonderful idealist that we just lost. Thanks. This is Ellie Krug from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many listeners know that I founded Human Inspiration Works, LLC, which trains on human inclusivity and on how to be welcoming diverse humans. Today, organizations of all sizes find that they need to train team members on diversity and inclusion. I can do that. Many say that my trainings change the way they see the world. I'd love to help make your organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Better Futures Minnesota is a social enterprise which helps men achieve self-sufficiency and a better future for themselves and their communities. We need your help. By donating time or funds to our cause, you can support us and promote a healthier environment. By hiring our deconstruction crews for your next residential or commercial project and shopping or donating building materials or appliances to our reuse retail warehouse, you are supporting Better Futures Minnesota and your community. Please visit BetterFuturesMinnesota.com to learn more. And we're back on Ellie 2.0 Radio on AM 950. It's me, Ellie Krug, your hostess with the mostest. Yes. <laughs> now, I'd like to pivot to another idealist. We're going to go from Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, to Washington, D.C., as well as Baltimore. <clears throat> 
This other idealist is someone we lost recently. I'm speaking about Congressman Elijah Cummings from Maryland, whose district included one half of the city of Baltimore, the city maligned by um, our president earlier this year. Some of what I'm going to relate to you is from Wikipedia, and some of it is from a CNBC uh, piece um, by Jacob Pramuk, P-R-A-M-U-K, um, dated October 17th of 2019. Who was Elijah Cummings? Well, in short, he was a bootstrapper. He was born in 1951 to parents who had been sharecroppers. He was the third of seven children. Early on, while still in high school, he and some friends had worked to integrate a swimming pool um, in uh, South uh, Baltimore. After high school, uh, he attended Howard University where he graduated Phi Beta Kappa. From there, he went to the University of Maryland Law School where he graduated. Um, and after that, after graduating from law school, he actually practiced law for 19 years. So he was, by training and trade, a lawyer. From 1983 to 1996, Elijah Cummings um, held a house in the Maryland General Assem Assembly. He held not a house, he held a seat, excuse me. And during that time, he, he was also named the Speaker Pro Temp. Uh, he happened to be the first African-American to ever hold uh, that role in the Maryland General Assembly. But eventually, in 1996, um, he ran for Congress and he was elected. Um, he became the he became uh, the representative for Maryland's 7th Congressional District. While in the House, he served as the chairman of the Congressional Black Caucus, um, and he's also been present um, uh, for a number of different things, but most notably, he reinforced his role as an idealist uh, during the Michael Cohen uh, testimony, and we'll hear a clip a little bit about that in a second. Elijah Cummings first gained national prominence in 2015, and you may recall in 2015, that was when uh, Freddie Gray uh, was uh, killed as a result of, um, <clears throat> I think, gross uh, police uh, incompetence, um, if, if not just police wrongdoing. Um, and uh, there, was a, there was a tremendous outpouring of grief uh, in the Baltimore African-American community over Freddie Gray's death. There were, um, there were a number of different marches. I think um, some of them got um, physically violent. Um, and, uh, and Elijah Cummings spoke at Freddie Gray's funeral saying, quote, we will not rest until we address this and see that justice is done, unquote. Later, when riots happened in Baltimore, uh, Elijah Cummings did what an idealist does. He took to the streets but not as a rioter, of course, and not on the side of the police. He stood between the police and the protesters and using a bullhorn urged the crowds to go home. That's what an idealist does, actually. They try and lead the way. So in Congress, Elijah Cummings was the ranking member of the Federal Oversight Committee. Now, um, and beginning in November of 2018, he then became the chairman of the Oversight Committee. Now, <clears throat> you may recall that uh, the Oversight Committee has great power. Um, oversight, what do they oversee? They oversee the functioning of the federal government, 
its various agencies. <clears throat> the Oversight Committee has the ability to call people to come into Congress and tell us what's working or not uh, within the federal agencies. And it was Elijah Cummings, um, serving then as the chair of the House Oversight Committee, who arranged and made the decision to subpoena President, tax, President Trump's tax returns. And most recently, um, just a few days ago, before I taped the show, um, the uh, circuit court in uh, the Washington, D.C., the federal circuit court, ruled that those tax returns are, should be produced and are accessible by the Oversight Committee. Now, in the spring of this year, that is spring of 2019, Michael Cohen, you may remember that name. He was the president's personal lawyer. Michael Cohen, and he was somebody who for a long time protected the president, and then Michael Cohen had a change of heart. And Michael Cohen decided that he wanted to be a different, better person. I think someday on this show, I may actually highlight Michael Cohen because he very well may, before our eyes, have become an idealist. But that's another show. In the spring of this year, Michael Cohen appeared before the Oversight Committee, before uh, Chairman Cummings, um, and he did that just a few days before he headed to prison. Um, you may recall that this was the time where Cohen said that he believed that the pres president, well, he described a, a number of different bad acts that the president had engaged in, but that Cohen also said that he believed that the president would do everything he could to stay in office, including refusing to step down if the election of 2020 went against the president. In July um, of this year, Cummings continued his attack on uh, the president's border policies and questioned whether the policies suffered from a, quote, empathy deficit. And you may recall that the president then tweeted that Baltimore was a, dis quote, disgusting rat-infested mess as a way to get back at Elijah Cummings. In reply, without naming the president, Elijah Cummings called on top government officials to stop using racist language. And I'd like to play for you now um, a couple, it's going to be a fairly long clip, but a number of different um, things that Elijah Cummings said sitting um, as the House Oversight Chairman, House Oversight Committee Chairman. And this will remind you of what an idealist is does and says. When we hear about stories coming out from you and your agency that everything is pretty good and you're doing a great job, I guess you, you feel like you're doing a great job, right? Is we're, that what you're saying? We're doing our level best in a very challenging What does that mean? What does that mean when a child is sitting in their own feces, can't take a shower? Come on, man. What's that about? None of us would have our children in that position. They are human beings. We are the United States of America. We are the greatest country in the world. We are the ones that can, can go anywhere in the world and save people. Make sure that they have diapers. Make sure that they have toothbrushes. Make sure that they're not laying around defecating in some silver paper come on we're better than that but i'm just saying to you i want to first of all thank you i know that this has been hard 
I know that you face a lot. I know that you are worried about your family. But this is a part of your destiny. And hopefully, this portion of your destiny will lead to a better, a better, a better Michael Cohen, a better Donald Trump, a better United States of America, and a better world. And I mean that from the depths of my heart. When we're dancing with the angels, the question will be asked, in 2019, what did we do to make sure we kept our democracy intact? Did we stand on the sidelines and say nothing one year ago today on my mother's dying bed at 92 years old, former sharecropper? Her last words were, do not let them take our votes away from us. They had fought, she had fought and seen people harmed, beaten, trying to vote. Talk about inalienable rights. Voting is crucial. And I don't give a damn how you look at it. There are efforts to stop people from voting. Okay, so um, I just need to give credit to The Guardian that had compiled that clip of the Guardian newspaper compiled that clip of all the things. And what you just heard was Elijah speaking first to a border patrol official about things at the border. That's why you got the language about people having to sleep in feces. The second part of that clip was him speaking to Michael Cohen um, as uh, Cohen was wrapping up his testimony. And the third was... um, Uh, Elijah Cummings talking about voting rights and how they are being eroded, particularly for African-Americans, for black colored people in our country. I've got to tell you, I teared up as I listened to all of that um, because what I was listening to was the voice of humanity, um, the voice of an idealist, of course. And I do believe that someday His words, when we're, quote, dancing with the angels, unquote, what will we do? How will we look back at how we protected our democracy? Maybe among the most important words said since November of 2016. Now, notwithstanding his passion, Elijah Cummings was old school. He was an old-school politician who believed in reaching across the aisle to get things done. For example, he was friends with Mark Meadows. Mark Meadows is one of the most conservative members of Congress. He's leader of the very conservative House Freedom Caucus. And after his death, after Elijah passed, Mark Cummings tweeted this, quote, There was no stronger advocate and no better friend than Elijah Cummings. I am heartbroken for his wonderful family and staff. Please pray for them. I will miss him dearly. Unquote. Elijah Cummings was an example of how you can be an idealist but still be a human. How you don't have to be partisan to the nth degree. How you can reach across the aisle 
to be friends with who those who have different views because that is actually how our democracy must work. We must compromise with people who disagree with us. We've lost that art. Elijah Cummings practiced it. He also practiced wonderful, incredible oratory. Elijah Cummings, idealist, human, congressman from Maryland. We will miss you, my friend. We will miss your voice, and we will miss your passion. It's me, Ellie Krug, on Ellie 2.0 Radio. If you like what you hear, please visit my website at elliekrug.com. Follow me on Twitter, that's at Ellie Krug, or Instagram, at Ellie J. Krug. When we come back, I've got a story to share with you about me. At Better Futures Minnesota, our purpose is to fuel and guide our men's desire to turn their lives around and walk a new path toward better health and success. We are intent on changing the costly systems and practices that produce poor results and perpetuate the chaos and cycles of dependency experienced by men who have faced incarceration. We are building a movement that supports personal transformation and a healthy, vibrant community of men. Visit us at BetterFuturesMinnesota.com to learn how you can support our movement. This is Ellie Krug from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many listeners know that I founded Human Inspiration Works LLC, which trains on human inclusivity and on how to be welcoming diverse humans. Today, organizations of all sizes find that they need to train team members on diversity and inclusion. I can do that. Many say that my trainings change the way they see the world. I'd love to help make your organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. We're back on AM 950, LE 2.0 Radio. Actually, I could listen to that Mazzy Star song. <laughs> I could listen to it the whole amount of time that it plays. But um, no, we can't. We've got to keep a show going. Okay, so you're listening to me, Ellie Krug, idealist. Uh, one of the things I want to tell you is I'm very, for the most part, very, very uncomfortable talking about me. You asked me to come and talk about my work, about trying to make the world a better place, about my human inclusivity work and training and all that. You asked, I will stop, I will talk nonstop about that, but you asked me to talk about me. Well, that's a little more problematic. However, I am going to talk about me in this segment. I'm going to talk about something that's fairly incredible that has happened to me. And that is that I am going to be the subject of a, uh, in part, a subject of a book coming out by a Pulitzer Prize writer by the name of Gene Weingarten. Uh, the title of the book is One Day, and the subtitle is One Day, quote, uh, The Extraordinary Story of an Ordinary 24 Hours in America, unquote. And I want to give you kind of the background story about this. I found out that the book is coming out, I found out yesterday, so 
remember we're taping this, so yesterday was October 20th, I got an email from a friend that said, uh, congratulations, look at this on page E10 of the Sun Sunday Star Tribune. And lo and behold, there was a book review on uh, page E10 of the, of the strip. Um, it was a book review of one day, and lo and behold, at the top of that book review was my picture. So um, let me give you the background here about this, okay? Um, about how I got to be one of the, there are a number of people featured in the book one day. I think I am one of 20 or so, uh, maybe more than that. I don't know for sure. I haven't seen the book yet. So all of this came about um, way back in um, April of 2013. I happened to be in Connecticut that time for a family event. I had some time to kill that morning before the family event, so I'm in my hotel room trying to do some work. I turn on the radio to national uh, to the public radio station in New York City. I don't get to listen to that very often, and so I turn it on, and I heard a familiar voice. That was Bob Edwards. And he was interviewing a guy by the name of Gene Weingarten. And I don't know who Gene Weingarten was, but as he's interviewing him, I'm finding out that Gene Weingarten is kind of a kind of a smart alecky kind of guy. He tries to be funny. Um, and, and he is actually a pretty funny guy. And if you will know, he, he's a writer for the Washington Post. He writes pieces about humanity and some other things in the Washington Post. He's a two-time Pulitzer Prize winner. So, I mean, we're talking about somebody with great credentials. And, and Weingarten is on this uh, public radio show in New York City talking about how he came up with this crazy idea of having three strangers pull out of a hat um, uh, dates well, actually, out of the hat, he, I, I, apparently they only pulled one date out of the hat, which uh, one of 365 possible days of, uh, well, and I think they were picking out also the year, out of this hat to come up with one day that Gene Weingarten had this crazy idea he was going to write about. He was going to write about what happened in America on that day. And Weingarten's relating how he had people pick these date out of the hat. And he's then talking about some other things and, you know, but he won't tell us what the day is. And then finally, you know, Bob Edwards is like, hey, you know, you've got us in suspense. What was that one day that you picked to write about? A day to write about, you know, what was going on in America. And he says that date was December 28th. 1986. And then uh, Gene Weingarten throws this, you know, shout out on the radio. And he says, if you know any, if something happened to you on that day, that's significant. If there was something that occurred on that day on December 28th, 1986, he said, I want to hear from you. Well, as it turns out, December 28th, 1986 was my birthday. Not only my birthday, it was my 30th birthday. And it was a birthday that I remembered because I happened to be in Iowa on that day, coming back from Boston. Uh, my then wife, Lydia, and I were living in Boston. Um, I was a trial lawyer in downtown Boston. And we had gone to Iowa to stay with my sister and to um, be there for the holidays. And I remember vividly on, the, on my birthday, on the morning of December 28th, my, my ex-wife, Lydia, um, lugged over out of the suitcase a big square box that weighed it, it, it weighed like a brick, and she put it on my <laughs> she put it on my uh, 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 lap, and she said, "Here, happy birthday." And it turned out what it was was a Sony uh, disc player. Okay, the very first you know CD player, disc player, <clears throat> and I opened it up, and I mean, she, she God love her, she had lugged that across America in order to give that to me on my birthday in Iowa. 
And so Weingarten puts the shout out, hey, if something happened to you on December 28th, 1986, I want to hear from you, okay? So I, you know, on a whim, because I had time and I'm just like, eh, why not? On a whim, I sent him an email within, I don't know, half hour of that radio show. I'm hearing him on the radio, on public radio in New York. I sent him an email and said, hey, uh, December 28th, 1930th birthday, you know, um, uh, and, uh, and I threw on there that I was transgender and that um, there was a story behind my 30th birthday. Um, and um, the, the sub-story about all that I told you was that I was trying desperately to stay married to my um, wife at that time. I was struggling with my gender identity. That was 1986. It literally took me another 23 years before I finally came out as me, as Ellie Krug. But even in 1986, I was struggling. And um, I, you know, gave him, I don't know, you know, a, a paragraph or two in the email and said, I don't know if this has any interest to you, but there you go. Not even two hours later, I got an email from um, Gene Weingarten saying, I want you to be in my book. And I'm like, no. And he assured me he wanted me to be in the book. So from what went from there were a number of different um, interviews that he and I had on, on the telephone. Um, he started trolling um, all of my uh, publications, including my book, as well as my uh, columns in Lavender Magazine. And at that time, there was another publication I wrote for. Um, and uh, we had multiple telephone interviews. I mean, we, he and I s sort of became friends. Um, and he's, you know, he wanted to know about my life. He wanted to know about what it meant to be transgender. I don't think he'd ever really talked to a transgender person before. Um, and, uh, he was sharing me a little bit about what he thought was important and all of that. And that, you know, that kind of dialogue back and forth, which in Weingarten occurred, I don't know, from, uh, the spring of 2013 until probably this, the fall, uh, 2015, early tw fall of 2014, early 2015. And then I never heard from him ever again. It just, he just stopped communicating. And I had thought that the book actually was going to come out on December 28th, uh, 2016, because that way it would be, you know, kind of, you know, it'd be 30 years uh, from that date. And that would be a really great way to kick that off, kick the book off. And when the book didn't come out, I kind of thought, well, maybe, Maybe the book has gone nowhere and maybe it died because that's what happens with a lot of books. You start down the road, particularly, um, you know, if you have a big publisher behind you and then they decide, well, we paid you the advance, but we're not going to pay any more. And thank you for trying and we're not going to do it. So I just thought it was going to go away. And apparently it has not. And apparently it's coming out. Um, so I'm giving you this show on the 21st of October. The book is set to be released tomorrow, October 22nd. I've ordered a copy. I have no idea what he wrote about me. I mean, I do have some idea of what he wrote about me because I just relayed to you, but I don't know how he spinned it, you know? And, um, and there's other backstories here that I'm not going to get into about the book. Um, and I've got my fingers crossed that um, uh, he um, is respectful. I've got my fingers crossed that he, I mean, he's a professional. I believe that he would be and, and that... Um, it's uh, not unflattering on Ellie Krug. We will see, but um, I think that that's uh, I, I think that's probably going to count for my 15 minutes of Andy Warhol fame uh, being in that book.
So, you know, there's my story. Now you have the backstory about how that happened. I thought it was pretty weird. Um, he is a phenomenal writer, by the way, uh, from all the other things that I've seen written about him by him. And I sure wish I could write like he does. I'm, you know, I'm not all that good. But, but um, so the, na- the title of the book is One Day, The Extraordinary Story of an Ordinary 24 Hours in America by Gene Weingarten, available as of October 22nd. Check it out. Tell me what you think about it in general. Tell me what you think about what he writes about me. All right. Well, you're listening to me, Ellie Krug, sort of now famous human <laughs> on AM 950. But more importantly, idealist. That's what I am. And that's what I want to be known for. When we come back, we'll do my C block. And uh, then that'll be the show. Thanks. At Better Futures Minnesota, we believe everyone deserves a fair shot. We believe in personal redemption and second chances, and that those who are dedicated to change and hard work should have the opportunity to achieve success and make a positive impact in the community. The men we embrace and serve have made mistakes, but they aren't bad people. We work with men who take responsibility for their past and are committed to doing better, who work to create a better life for themselves, their family, and the community. Learn more at BetterFuturesMinnesota.com. This is Ellie Krug from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many listeners know that I founded Human Inspiration Works, LLC, which trains on human inclusivity and on how to be welcoming, diverse humans. Today, organizations of all sizes find that they need to train team members on diversity and inclusion. I can do that. Many say that my trainings change the way they see the world. I'd love to help make your organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. And we're back on AM 950 LE 2.0 Radio. Another song that I could listen to for the duration by the 10,000 Maniacs. Okay, well, listen. Um, so uh, there you go. Um, I talked about me last segment. Mm, there you go. Well, actually, I talked more about a book. I, I think I can rationalize that in my brain. We are now in my C block where I talk about my work and, again, more about me as an idealist, but... Uh, these are not stories about, oh, look at me, how great I am. They're more about the work that I'm doing, my attempt to make the world a better place, and not by myself. I mean, there are so many people that help me, it's not even funny. First, I want to report on the open house that we had um, that you've been hearing probably ad nauseum on this station about the open house that I had on the 17th of October. Um and it was an open house to talk about my work as well as um, to, to raise a little bit of money for a nonprofit I'm associated with, Human Ripple Works, Inc. If you want to read about that nonprofit, you can go to uh, – all you have to do 
do is Google Human Ripple Works Inc. And I think actually the How to Donate page comes up. And what that nonprofit does is it helps fund work that I do that's pro bono or low bono. So pro bono is free, low bono is very greatly discounted. And what the nonprofit does is it pays for my mileage or for my hotel. It does not pay for my fee. And this is a way for me to do more work in greater Minnesota and the greater Midwest where there aren't many Ellie Krugs visible. Anyway, we had the open house. And um, I want to thank several listeners who showed up for it. God forbid I'm going to not remember somebody's name. So if I do not name your name, I'm sorry, I apologize. But I want to thank Janet and Sharon and Barbara and Linda Gale and Harv for coming to my open house. Thank you all for coming. I really appreciate it. It was very nice. Some of you I know. Some of you I met for the very first time. So, and if, again, if I miss someone who came and I didn't just give your name, I apologize for that. The open house was a really great way to connect um, with people like my listeners. Thank you, listeners. Um, and uh, uh, to also describe the work that I was doing in the world. By the way, I have a great board of directors for my nonprofit Human Ripple Works, Inc., my board of directors, you rock. I want to thank you for um, showing up. I mean, one of my board of directors, Gina, uh, showed up with um, bags and then a laundry basket of things like flowers and food and, oh, my goodness. And I had another board member, Paul, who brought wine um, because he is the owner of St. Croix Vineyard. And so we drank some St. Croix Vineyard wine. Um, So it was all just really, really great. So, um, and other work that I've been doing. I mean, I took a road trip to Chicago in the span of, I don't know, not even 36 hours. I drove over 800 miles to speak in downtown Chicago to a group of women lawyers. And then on the way back from downtown Chicago after a very long day and not many hours at a hotel in Madison, um, I got back up and then drove to a place in Wisconsin, which was along the way to come back to Minnesota um, and spoke with government uh, human, uh, human resource professionals. So all of that is good. I'm doing all of those kinds of things. And, and in the time since I've talked to you last, I've spoken to 3,000 people in Duluth at a conference. I'm going to get on a plane uh, next week. By the time you're listening to the show, I will be on a plane on my way to Los Angeles Uh, to speak to a law firm. And then from there, I've got to go come back. And then I've got to go to New York. And then I've got to go back to Los Angeles. You're getting an idea of all the stuff that I'm doing. But one of the things I want to talk about right now is an experience I had following a training. So in addition to you hearing ad nauseum about this open house, you also heard about me speaking at Grace Lutheran Church in Andover, Minnesota. And um, a big shout out to my friend John for helping to make that happen. And interestingly, at Grace, uh, at Grace Lutheran, I met a couple of other listeners, including Reverend Jack, who um, calls in whenever I'm doing the show live here at the station, which is relatively rare. But so that was great. So at Grace Lutheran, I did, it was a Sunday evening. We did not start on that Sunday evening, I believe, until 6.30. And or six o'clock, and so Sunday evening, okay, at a church, and we had more than sixty people in attendance. 
you know, wonderful. Looks like maybe the promoting it on the radio helps, but it also, I know that they promote it internally. So we had a lot of church members, but we had some people from the public who were not affiliated with that church. My training was gray area thinking. And as you know, it's a, as I talked about it in the past, it's a training about human inclusivity. It's not, even though I'm transgender, it's not transgender focused. It's not LGBTQ, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer focused. It is focused for all humans regardless of the skin color or who we, who we love or what religion we practice, all of that stuff. Gray Area Thinking is a wonderful human inclusivity training. And the folks at Grace Lutheran reacted very positively to it. They were incredibly welcoming um, at that church. Many people bought my books. That was, thank you for buying my book. I really appreciate that. Um, and the title of the book, just in case you're wondering, is Getting to Ellen colon, a memoir about love, honesty, and gender change, available on Amazon, Kindle, or Nook. Okay, I just need to put that plug in. And if you also want one inscribed from me, just contact me, and I will get you one. Um, but the training at Great Lutheran went incredibly well. I got done. It's about, um, by the time I'm out of there, it's close to 9 o'clock. And as it turns out, across the street from Grace Lutheran is a McDonald's. Now, you don't know much about me, and I'm in relatively good shape, but I have a number of vices. One of those is McDonald's. Sorry, I love their cheeseburgers. And so my reward for doing something, and Grace Lutheran was pro bono, you know, I didn't get paid for it. And so my reward was, Ellie, after you get done with this training, you're going to go to McDonald's, get yourself a cheeseburger. And so I got done with the training. I got in the car, drove across the street to McDonald's. Um, I'm wearing a blazer and a dress, black tights, brand new boots, uh, uh, pretty cool boots. And my hair is down um, and I don't look too haggard. I go up to the counter and there was an African-American teen girl, I would guess maybe 17 years old. Um, and I, hold on, I gave you um, an inference about her skin color for a reason. So I go, I order my cheeseburger and French fries and uh, Diet Coke and she punches it all in. I pay for it. I'm standing there at the counter. And then I watch her move. It was a very slow night. There were no other customers. I watch her move from the counter where she just served me and walk about, I don't know, 20 feet over to a coworker, another uh, teenage girl. This uh, one was white color. And I watch her whisper to the, to the second McDonald's worker. And I watch her whisper, and then I watch the second girl, that would be the white color girl. I watch her look back at me. Now that's happened enough to me that I know what that whisper was about. And it was about me being different or other. And I've got to tell you, the whisper and the look towards me hurt. A lot. Now, I thought for a second maybe I would say something, but you know what? It was Sunday night. I was bone tired. I just wanted to get out of there. <laughs> it's a little bit different than what um, our Fond du Lac uh, server would have done, perhaps. And then I left, and I left, though. My heart hurt. It did. And what was ironic was that someone who had, I'm sure, been othered because of her skin color, saw fit to other me. 
There you go, my show, LE 2.0 Radio, about idealism. I need to give a big thanks to our sponsors, Brending Electrolysis, Tell Bev over in St. Paul. She does great work. Go see her. Wonderful work. And then also a big shout out to our, our um, sponsor, Better Futures Minnesota. Um, they give people second chances. And I want to do a big thanks to my producer, Brett Johnson, who does always an incredibly great job for me. And to you, my listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in every week. Thanks for putting up with my Talking Head show that I didn't have a guest. Hopefully it was interesting enough for you. And um, for all of you, go and do good things in the world. Make the world a better place. Be idealistic. I'll be back next week. Thanks. Thanks.